Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. I'm DJ Short and with me here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We're live on Twitch this afternoon, so welcome to those of you watching over there. For those of you listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Wednesday afternoon, which means it, that it's another waiver Wire Wednesday edition of the show. Scott and I will each offer five recommendations ranging from more shallow leagues to deeper formats, trying to give a little bit of help to everyone. And we also have a little fun game planned for later uh, in the theme of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, but we'll, we'll save that for the end of the show. Uh, how's it going, Scott? Doing great, man. Uh, looking forward to some May baseball. Looking forward to the Derby on Saturday. I don't know about you. I, I look I look at the standings, the fantasy standings from day one, and I know you're not mm-hmm. supposed to, but yeah. I think once we get into May, I think they have some merit now. I think you should have an idea where your strengths and weaknesses lie, and yeah. you can start being – look, if you can see a good player out there who, who just is worth rostering, you, you grab them. But I think now you can be a little bit more pointed with what you need, what your strengths and weaknesses are, where you need to make trades, what you need to address in fab. So – uh, this is where the standings have some personality, and I think you start. You want to start looking around. To, okay, where can I gain? Where where am I strong? What can I trade from? That sort of stuff. Yeah, I've noticed this in my NL only labor uh, team, which I knew going in my pitching was stronger than my hitting. I initially got off to a hot start offensively with some of my key pieces. It was pretty high in the standings. I've dropped recently as it's become increasingly clear that my hitting is not so great. Uh, so you start to think about what you could do can do to improve. Uh, my pitching actually should get better. I get Justin Verlander back tomorrow on Thursday, so that is that is a big lift. Rysel Iglesias coming back from the injured list this weekend, so maybe my pitching will be a little better moving forward. But yeah, you can start to make some very clear uh, determinations about the strengths and weaknesses of your team. I know for a while it was always like, uh, don't worry about it till like Memorial Day or something. No. You should be worrying about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, for sure. And, and we, what, one thing that we've accepted over like the, maybe the last five or ten years is that wait for proof is a dead fantasy strategy. If you're going to take yeah. a player who's, you know, maybe it's not clear where he's going and say, okay, I'm just going to wait two or three weeks, see how real this is. He'll be on somebody else's roster. Somebody else will speculate. Yeah. So the moment – I always say the moment you see plausible upside with a player, you probably want to add him in a competitive mixed league. You can't wait. The old days you can say, okay – 
I'm going to wait a few weeks and, and see where the story goes. You can't do that anymore. You have to try to be yeah. early. And the other thing about being early to stories is that you can pay what you want in fab. Maybe you get them for a minimum bid. And then once stuff is obvious to everybody in the room, then you have to elbow out nine or 10 other managers. That's no fun. Yeah. And I think with just the explosion of information that we have at our fingertips now, it's a lot easier to make very snap judgments, even with a pitcher who made one start or a hitter who's been up in the majors for a week. Uh, you could see some certain indicators of success moving forward. So we'll get into our uh, waiver wire picks here in a minute. Before we do, reminder, download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Uh, so check it out. Definitely download the app. But today, being Waiver Wire Wednesday, we also have our, our weekly pitch clock that we do. Um, so last week was my turn. You get 40 seconds to make your pitch on a particular player. Uh, this week, though, it's, it's Scott's turn. And you gave me your list of players, five players. I'm picking one at random and want to hear your pitch. So uh, seeing as you you watch a lot of Red Sox, I'm going to go with Connor Wong. Uh, what's your case on him as a pickup? I know he's been hot in recent days, uh, but is there is there mixed league upside here? Yeah, I'm hoping there is. I'm glad you picked Wong, who's only 3% rostered in Yahoo. So he's widely available. He's hit three home runs in the last two games for the Red Sox. A couple of things. One, the Boston lineup is better than I expected. They're third in run scored right now. We know Fenway is generally a great place to hit. I wasn't sure how great this offense would be before the season. Happy to be wrong. This is a good offense. I don't think it's a great pitching staff, but it's going to be a team that plays a lot of high-scoring games. Wong always hit in the minors. 276 career average in the minors with a 596 slugging. So I think he's right now in line to maybe start 60% of the games in a good lineup. I think he has a path to maybe 18 or 20 home runs. And who doesn't need that? Even in a start one league, I think Connor. I think Connor Wong is somebody you grab because you want to tie to a plus Boston offense. I like it. Uh, he was someone I was looking at coming into the season. I just wasn't sure about the playing time. But I have a question for you: uh, Connor Wong or Francisco Alvarez? Who would you take right now, and just for like the next couple of months? I mean, obviously, long term, you would think Alvarez, but because yeah. Alvarez has defensive liability. And he isn't hitting right now. He's under 200. I'm not sure how much longer he sticks with the Mets. I think Wong has to be the play there. Yeah, I, I don't think that's crazy at all. Uh, Alvarez has, has hit a little bit more over the past couple of games, but does seem a little overly anxious at the plate. I think strikeouts are going to continue to be an issue. Batting average is going to be a struggle. Uh, he has rated well in terms of framing, but yeah, I mean, he's still kind of learning on the job. That's the That's the last piece for him to really figure out is uh you know his catching um his catching responsibilities working in the pitching staff all that stuff is a work in progress so if he's not hitting you know that's a that's a little worrisome i know omar Novaez is out for a while uh but yeah I, I don't think it's a given that he's up for good like he's gonna have to hit this day so we'll see thankfully the the mets i'll tee you up here the mets have another young player who looks like he might be up for good Yes. So I am going to mention Brett Beatty here. And, and it's weird because he's still available in more than half of Yahoo leagues. As of Thursday morning, he was, which is insane to me. That doesn't make any sense. Beatty, he did start out a little slow, but even still going into play Thursday, and the Mets are actually playing a baseball game today after being rained out for like a week. 
Uh, Beatty is 11 for 26, 11 for his last 26, so 423 during that stretch. Two homers, two doubles, hit a homer against a left-hander, Dylan Lee, the Braves reliever, on Monday, and has been getting more at-bats against left-handed pitching in recent days. We know Eduardo Escobar is in that mix, too, and has been for a little bit, but it might make sense for the Mets to use Escobar out of the DH spot against lefties instead and not at third base. Beatty in a small sample here. So uh, players with at least 25 batted ball events. Uh, Beatty is tied for 10th among all hitters, 57.7%. So that's the kind of stuff you look at in terms of promise moving forward. And, you know, Beatty also just passes the eye test at the plate. He hits rockets, looks very polished at the plate, has been making the plays at third base too. So, yeah, I think as opposed to Alvarez, where I'm not so sure, I think Beatty's up for good, runs away with this job, can be a top, I think could be a top 15 third baseman is where I would set my expectations right now, but who knows, could be even higher by the end of the year. Yeah, I'll co-sign all of your recommendations, and I I thought he would be 75 or 80% rostered right now, so I don't think that tag makes any sense. Let's get the the people who are holding out. Beatty's going to be here all season, and it's still a plus Mets lineup. Look, we, we love – this is a player I mentioned on Monday's podcast, but I'll mention him again for my next recommendation. We love a post-hype sleeper case, and that's what Nick Senzel is. Was a number two pick in the 2016 draft class. Had a good rookie year since then. He's been hurt a lot. He's bounced around different positions. And the Reds are still playing him at third in the outfield. I wish they'd pick one spot for Senzel so he could maybe concentrate more on his offense. But look at his offense. He's hitting 290, walk rate up, strikeout rate down. He's always been a pretty good back control guy anyway. He's got some power. He'll run a little bit. We know Cincinnati is one of the parks you want to focus on. I think the Reds' offense is actually sneaky good, maybe six or seven deep. Nick Senzel just needs to stay healthy and stay in the lineup. Now, staying in the lineup won't be a problem this year. The Reds don't have a good enough team that they can push him out. If he just stays healthy, Nick Senzel can be, I think, a top 100 hitter. I, I'm Again, another player like Beatty who, when I checked the roster tags today, I thought, well, maybe Senzel had already graduated. And I realized he's been added aggressively the last few days. It was one of my favorite fab pickups of the weekend. But still available in about 60% of Yahoo leagues as we go to press. Let's fix that. Nick Senzel's only 27. I think he's ready for a career season. And the speed has always been there. And especially in this environment, that makes him all the more interesting. So, uh Tuesday night, Bryce Harper made his return from Tommy John surgery sooner than anybody thought was possible. But Tuesday night ended up being about a different Bryce, Bryce Miller with the Mariners, who had an incredible debut. Uh, Six innings, two hits allowed, one, one run, no walks, 10 strikeouts, just an incredible debut. Just the third pitcher in ALNL history with 10 strikeouts and zero walks. In his MLB debut, joining Steven Strasburg, we all remember that debut, uh, and Johnny Cueto as well. Miller was kind of a surprise call-up because if you look at the numbers in the minors to begin the year, they were not impressive. Pitching in double-A, had a 6-4-1 ERA, allowed five home runs, over 19 and two-thirds innings. But last year was great, had 163 strikeouts, over 133 and two-thirds innings uh, between three different levels, had a 3-1-6 ERA was the top 100 prospect coming into the year. And AA is using this new baseball that they're experimenting with, which has like the extra stickiness on it. So someone speculated maybe that's just a factor as he's been adjusting to this new ball. Uh, You know, maybe he was struggling a bit because of that. We'll see. But 
there's the stuff plus metric. If you go to fan graphs, you can check it out. Uh, Eno Saris's metric. If you look at the numbers from Bryce Miller's debut, it is insane. 132 uh, stuff plus overall. Uh, good location as well. 132 stuff plus. In other words, it, it's weighted. So 32% better than average. The rise on his fastball was insane as well. They got a ton of whiffs on that pitch. Uh, 4.7 inches of rise above average, which would be the most uh, rise of any fastball in Major League Baseball. That's pretty exciting stuff. I'm not sure, you know, this he pitched against the A's offense, so that's like basically like pitching against a double-A team, to be fair. Uh, so we'll see when he gets to face better offenses, but this is much better than anything I would have thought going into the night. And it looks like the Mariners promoted him for a reason. For sure. And that young pitchers are going to be the, the next two guys I recommend. Now, another guy who grabbed the spotlight Tuesday night was Mason Miller, who we've talked about yep. on the show before. Seven no-hit innings. Now, we live in a day and age where 100 pitches, seven no-hit innings, you're out of the game. And, of course, the, the game went away after Miller was gone. But this is a player, 20 what was it, 28 and two-thirds innings in the minors. He had 53 strikeouts. He's got 17 strikeouts and 15 and a third major league innings. The ball just jumps out of his – he's getting to 101 without really any major contortion of his body. He's got what Keith Law would call easy gas. And I know it can be a leap of faith to roster somebody on the A sometimes. I mean, Brooker has gotten in our good graces because he seems he hits a home run every other yep. day. But it's a big park. We're looking at a plus strikeout guy. This is somebody who's going to strike out, I think, 11, 12 batters per nine innings. So he's easy to roster. I'm also going to do something that's always dangerous to do. Okay, Brandon fought. This is kind of a low-hanging fruit pickup. Again, a minor league pitcher, high pedigree. He's called up. He's pitching as we're recording this podcast. And against the Texas lineup, that has been really good this year. Their second run scored. So hopefully Brandon fought doesn't throw up all over himself and and make this recommendation look bad. But – this is somebody who struck out 218 batters and 167 minor league innings last year. He's six foot four. He pitches with a swagger. He likes to go for strikeouts when he gets ahead in the count. You're going to enjoy watching this guy pitch. And again, what are we looking for? We're following the strikeouts with these guys, but also his control has really improved this year in AAA. It's under two walks per nine innings. And Arizona is another team that's been more competitive than we thought. Right now, they, they look like they could be maybe an 83-85 win team in that National League West. Brandon Fott should be on every roster just because plausible upside, okay? No guarantees yeah. with young pitchers. I get it. Who knows? Maybe the Rangers hand him his lunch. Maybe Fott's back in the minors before you even listen to this. But the upside is that he could be somebody who strikes out 140 guys in 110 innings. You want in on that. So I, when guys like this come up, I like to make sure I get them on at least one team. So if yeah. they take the league by storm, I, at least I, I don't have any FOMO on that. So uh, Brandon Fott should be rostered everywhere just as a wait and see. Even if you don't use him in this Texas start, the, the, the starts after that are more favorable. I think it's Miami and San Francisco coming up. He's going to strike out people right out of the box. Yeah, San Francisco, one of the highest strikeout rate uh, teams in the majors so far this season. A lot of exciting young pitchers making their way up to the majors recently. That's for sure. Gavin Stone uh, making his debut on Wednesday. We had Tanner Bybee recently, Logan Allen. Like, There's a lot of young talent coming up right now, kind of replenishing the waiver wire because there's been so many injuries recently. So uh, I think Fox one of those guys, uh, you know, in comparison to some of these other pitchers we're talking about, uh, that could stick all season long. And maybe the upside isn't as high as a Bybee, you know, strikeout-wise. But 
uh, I think uh, Falk can be very, very valuable. Uh, a pitcher I'm going to mention here, Michael King with the Yankees. He's available in 83% of Yahoo leagues. He got a second save of the season Tuesday night, a five-out save. A day after Clay Holmes uh, imploded a little bit. Holmes has been a little shaky this year. Has four saves, 3.72 ERA uh, across 11 appearances, nine hits, five walks, and nine and two-thirds innings. You contrast that with King, 1.56 ERA, 20 strikeouts, four walks, in 17 to third innings. Uh, that's through nine games. So this underscores 17 to third innings in nine appearances. The Yankees like using him in multiple innings. So I don't think that he is necessarily a threat for the closer role, but he'll get his chances. But he will also get his chances to win some games here. And he's going to help in terms of ratios and strikeouts. So I don't think he's going to take the closer role, but he's one of those kind of useful pitchers who can vulture some wins help you in some different areas, get you some saves on occasion. I'm frankly surprised he's still available in so many leagues right now. Yeah, I'm a Michael King guy too. He had really good ratios last year. Yep. And anybody who pitches high leverage spots for contending teams, I realize the Yankees are kind of disappointing, hovering around 500, but I think we all think they'll be an 85 to 90 win team by the end of the season. And whether King's getting chances to win games, save games, right now he's probably number two in this bullpen, although he's gotten two saves in his last two appearances. If Holmes has any kind of a hiccup, if Holmes needs IL time, King's the man. Now, if King is the number two, that means he gets an opportunity to get wins. We've seen more wins filter into middle and late relief in the past 10 seasons. Starting pitchers don't go as deep. So this is a guy who could easily end the season with six, seven, eight wins. I could see that happening. And, and the strikeout and walk rate, we talk about that stabilizes quickly. 20, 20 strikeouts to four walks, that certainly means pickup. And what King did last year means pickup to me as well. An easy guy to roster. Again, look, look at, you're going to find all these strikeout walk fire breathing dragons on your waiver wire and don't be concerned about necessarily if they're getting saves or not say are they on a winning team do they pitch in high leverage michael king checks all those boxes i think he's a great pickup right now my final mention i talked about texas being a surprising offense second in the majors and run scored behind tampa bay who's like first and everything it feels like right now you're not getting Ezekiel Duran to work the count. You're not getting him to spit on borderline pitches. You're not getting him to draw walks. But his hard hate, hard hit, hard hate, hard hit metrics are pinned to the right. He's got sprint speed, I think 92%. Maybe pitchers are going to adjust to him. They're going to start throwing him some slop, and he'll have to adjust back to that. But right now, he's playing three different infield positions in Yahoo. He's only 20% rostered in the middle of a Texas lineup that's producing a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. I know the batting average is maybe hard to take at face value, but he's hitting well over 300 right now. I just love the fact that when he does make contact, it's a rocket tied to a good offense. And then Texas is still kind of figuring out what their regular playing time is. I think Durant's earned a spot. I, I want to see how he adjusts because pitching pitchers will adjust to him because they're going to realize they don't have to throw him stuff over the heart of the plate, but he's producing far too well right now for him to be available in 80% of Yahoo leagues. Totally agree. Randall Gritchick has hit the ground running since his return from the injured list. He had sports hernia surgery in early February, just returned from the IL over the weekend, uh, going into play third or going into play uh, Wednesday, rather two hits in all three games since returning from the IL. Gritchick's a guy we know very well, uh, certainly has flaws in terms of his approach, but the power has been consistent throughout his career at 19 homers and 141 games with the Rockies last year, regularly has had over 20 plus in a season in his career, has Coors Field uh, backing him as well. I think at a deeper mixed league, you know, five outfielders, like he's a no brainer, 
pick up. And I think in some weeks where the Rockies are mostly playing at Coors Field, uh, he even makes some sense in some shallower formats. So, uh, you know, a very familiar name, but now that he's back, you should keep an eye on him. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I also want to mention Matt Mervis here with the Cubs. Still in the minor leagues, but as far as the talent that's in the minors who could be here soon... I think he's one of the most logical names to stash. Mervis available in just about 89, 90% of Yahoo leagues uh, going into Wednesday. Mervis is mashing in AAA, not surprising, hitting 296, six home runs uh, in 23 games, maybe most encouraging. Uh, same number of strikeouts and walks so far. Hit 36 homers between three different levels in the minors last year. Uh, had a good performance in the Arizona Fall League. Had a lot of hype going into spring training, but Eric Hosmer was signed during the offseason. Trey Mancini was out of the mix there in Chicago. But Hosmer is not doing anything. Has a 690 OPS through 25 games. If the Cubs are serious about being contenders, I think it's just a matter of time before Mervis comes up. Christopher Morrell has also been mashing in AAA, even more than Mervis. He's on the 40-man roster and Mervis is not. So maybe Morell is the next one up. We'll see. But Mervis is very, very interesting and I think well worth a stash uh, if you can make that happen. Yeah, I like it. The Cubs lineup is better than we expected. But as you mentioned, yep. there's been a hole at first base. Anytime I see walks and strikeouts as an even ratio for a batter, I'm excited. And when it's somebody who can actually hit for power, I'm really excited. Matt Mervis is going to be an impact player at some point this season. So we're going we're gonna to jump into our special – game here in a second before we do just a reminder sunday morning means mlb sunday lead off watch exclusive live games all season long on peacock catch an interleague showdown as the upstart orioles travel to atlanta to face the braves catch the action live this sunday at 11:30 a.m eastern the game will also be shown on nbc this week so definitely check that out should be a lot of fun and Saturday on NBC is the Kentucky Derby. You can watch coverage beginning at noon Eastern this Saturday. So with that in mind, I want us to do a little derby of our own here and see how it turns out. So uh, the whole gist of this game, we're each going to pick five hitters. And Thursday through Sunday, whoever winds up with the most home runs on our roster wins. What do you say, Scott? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm all for drafting. I love that we've incorporated a lot of drafts on this show, and I'm all for talking about the Kentucky Derby. Man, you know, horse racing. I, I grew up around horse racing, and there's so much great writing in horse racing, so much great documentary work around horse racing. I'm excited for the Derby. 
I have so much respect for. We always talk about our favorite baseball announcers. The horse racing announcers are outstanding. Just what yeah. they can, how they can call the flow of a fast moving race. Sometimes I'll just find myself on YouTube calling up old Tom Durkin calls of like the year Birdstone beat Smarty Jones and then the in the um, Belmont Stakes. One of my favorite calls. So uh, I'm thrilled that we're doing a Kentucky Derby related draft. And um, yeah, I have I, I have nine guys on my list. I'm hoping that you don't take enough of my guys. I'll have to scramble for a tenth guy. But um, okay, let's get this going. Yeah, you can you can go first. I'll give you the the number. Uh, one oh, you're gonna let me go here. first, and I, I have to be a jerk and I have to say, well. Uh, who who does DJ probably want? Who's the best power hitter in baseball right now? Who's on the Mets? It's Pete Alonso. I'll admit that one of the big things for me in this draft is I wanted to take players who got four games. I did not mm-hmm. scout the weather, and I'm, I'm in Detroit right now. It feels like it's rained like 27 days in a row. I don't know when I moved to Seattle. Can't play any <laughs> golf in the rain. I can wear my golf hat. Can't play any golf. But Alonso gets four games, three of them against the Colorado pitching staff I don't think much of. He's obviously tied for the major league lead in the home runs as we go to press. And Pete Alonso knows a lot about home run derbies. He's won some of those before. So Pete Alonso, an easy first pick for me in our home run derby draft. I will go with Matt Olson. Uh, he gets the I Orioles this weekend. Yeah, he gets the Orioles this weekend. Uh, our Peacock game, an NBC game on Sunday. Marlins on Thursday. So again, I tried to pick a player just like you who's playing Thursday. So you get four games, uh, a lot of volume there to stack up some home runs. So. Marlins and Orioles this weekend for Matt Olson, and we know the power is there for Olson. Uh, he has eight homers so far, ton of strikeouts as well. So I worry about the contact a little bit, uh, but I have a feeling uh, he's he's probably likely to run into a couple this weekend. Yeah, Olson would have been my second pick, and somebody who I thought had a puncher chance to lead the National League in home runs. Yep. Yeah, I'll stick with that Braves team. I know that mostly for Ronald Acuna, his early fantasy value has been tied to other things. He hasn't hit a bunch of home runs, although he, d- he did hit an absolute moonshot when we were podcasting on Monday. Yes. Again, you mentioned the schedule lines up. He, he bats early in that lineup, so he's going to cycle through regularly. I mean, I'm going to get 20-plus at-bats from Acuna over this cycle, even though he's not off to the greatest power stat, power start this year. We, nobody doubts that he's a 40-home run guy. So I probably would have taken also with my next pick. You've made that uh, – impossible for me but let's get another brave angle let's get Ronald Acuna on the team all right so next up for me this is a tough one because I'm deciding between two two teammates and you can probably guess who those players are but I would go with Mike Trout it's never wrong to go with Mike Trout uh so the Angels get the Cardinals on Thursday then this weekend play against the Rangers uh I was obviously deciding between Otani and Trout tough tough call but I'm going to go with uh, the GOAT, Mike Trout, as my second pick. I'm glad you're not saying anything negative about the Angels because they would deny you all access to their <laughs> story. Somebody wanted to talk to their batting coach. Like, well, is this going to be a negative story? Well, oh, boy. Gonna, yeah. Uh, can't can't go wrong with Mike Trout. Um, for sure, a great pick in the second round of our Derby draft. You know, another theme I wanted to come up with here was FOMO, guys who I don't have rostered. Mm. Maybe I can have some fun with them. So I'm going to take Cody Bellinger. Who's having a great comeback season with the Cubs? He, he's spitting on borderline pitches. He's got the walk rate is up, the strikeout rate is way down, and he's got the lowest chase rate that he's had in four seasons. I wish I had the guts. He was there for the taking, like pick 170, 175, 180 in all of my drafts. I couldn't pull the trigger on him. He does get the four games. One of them is against Alcantara, so you, you don't love that. But 
four games for Bellinger. It's my chance to get invested in him, albeit in a, in a side draft here. And it's not like we're playing for thousands of dollars. In fact, I don't even know if we have a prize. I think we're just playing for bragging rights. But yeah. at least I get some FOMO checked off with Cody Bellinger, uh, who gets four four days of swings for me in this draft. I'm going to go with Bellinger's teammate, Patrick Wisdom, who's mm-hmm. right there among the MLB leaders in home runs, tied with Muncie and Alonzo going into the day on Wednesday with 11 home runs. And I, I like the matchups here uh, for uh, Wisdom. So Thursday gets Patrick Corbin, which you're into, gets for the sure. Marlins this weekend. There is one Alcantara game in there, and he's been a little up and down so far. So I think maybe he can manage that too. So uh, going with all Cubs here in the third round, Bellinger and Wisdom, and uh, you're up next in round four. I like it. Yeah, Wisdom already sitting on 11 home runs. We know he's always – Swinging for the fences. Bring your glove if you're in the uh, bleachers, Chicago, this weekend. Sticking with the FOMO theme, I actually dropped Jared Kelnick in a shallow league earlier this year. It, it kills me that I did it. He's moved up in the Seattle lineup. It just looks like a guy who's putting it together. At one point, he was the most exciting hitting prospect in the minors. You know well, he's ballyhooed part of the Mets system, goes to Seattle in a big trade. It just looks like he's putting it together four games all against right-handed pitching. I think he might bat third or fourth mm. the rest of the season. And it, it was a pretty good Seattle lineup. So uh, scratching a little bit of the FOMO itch, let's take four swings with Jared Kelnick this week. I like it. Good call. So let's see. I'm going to go with Randy Arozarena. Uh, he's on my list, yep. He has seven home runs so far this season. Uh, you know, an integral piece of a, of a great lineup there with the Rays. So Thursday, he gets the Pirates, uh, Vince Velasquez, who's been better this year. And then the Yankees this weekend, who don't necessarily scare me. Garrett Cole not pitching. I think Arosa Arena can do some damage here. I like it. And when in doubt in 2023, you know, take a Tampa Bay share. You can't go wrong with that. Arosa Arena's been a top 10 fantasy player. Also hitting for a decent average, getting some speed checked off. So, um Excellent pick here. I have three guys who interest me. I'm going to take Paul Goldschmidt. Four games coming, two of them against lefties, uh, a series against the Tigers. Hopefully the weather will play nice. I I was tempted to maybe take his teammate, Nolan Arenado. Uh, Bobby Witt was somebody else I considered who isn't having a great season, but he hits a lot of home runs. He gets four starts. He's obviously at the top of the lineup, which is really good to cycle through. But when I saw the two lefty starts, against Goldschmidt and against the Detroit staff. I don't think that much of him. I mean, we know Detroit's one of the five worst teams in baseball. He's a pretty solid pick in the fifth round. So, Scott, you did not pick Shohei Otani, so it's kind of automatic. Let's double up. It. Double up on the Angels. There you go. Uh, I have to go with Otani here. He's pitching tonight, I believe. So I'm interested to see if he'll be in the lineup for an afternoon game on Thursday. If not, this could look bad, but I'm into it. Uh, you know, Otani, Trout, so my my roster, Olsen, Trout, Wisdom, Arena, and Otani. And, Scott, you have Alonzo, Acuna, Bellinger, Kelnick, and Goldschmidt. That should be fun. Uh, This was a good time. Uh, And all these guys really off to pretty good starts so far. I think Bellinger and Kelnick is fascinating because we all knew Olsen, and we all knew Olsen, Alonzo, Acuna, like these guys are going to be there. But Bellinger and Kelnick, they've been two of the biggest surprises, I think. So let's try to reset the market. Let's say we're walking into something like a friends and family league, a mixed league draft, 15 teams, and we're starting fresh right now. What round or pick do you think Bellinger and Kelnick, where where would they make sense Mm. if we were starting right now? 
I think they'd be in that top 50 range. I, I agree. I agree. Bellinger, man, he just I mean, he, we've seen the upside. He won an MVP award, right? I mean, he was yep. the, the best. You could argue at one moment in time he was the best hitter in baseball. Kelnick's always had the pedigree. It's just been a matter of making better contact and maybe get in, in both cases. These guys is confidence, right? I yep. mean, you know, the idea with Bellinger, maybe he just changed teams at the right time. And, and you, I, I know a lot of people say, well, it's a month, you know, what, what really matters. But you know, again, strikeouts and walks has meaning really early. The fact that Bellinger is laying off the pitches he was swinging at in past seasons, I think that's such a great indicator for him. Obviously, Kelnick's making better contact, plus he's going to run. Bellinger's actually probably got a chance at 12 to 15 stolen bases, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're both in plus lineups, too. Chicago's a better lineup than I think a lot of people expected. And Seattle, d- despite Teoscar Hernandez striking out three times a night, it feels like he's only walked mm-hmm. twice as well. I'm a little bit worried about him. But uh, Seattle looks like a good team. So, um, yeah, I, I would say if you were c- kind of feeling it, you, maybe you could take them early third round. But I don't think either one of them would get out of the fourth round. And, and the top 50 tag feels about right. Yeah, so uh, Matthew Poliot, he posted his May rankings on NBC Sports great. Edge. Uh, so go check it out. Uh, every position broken down, it has a top 300. So I just went because I didn't see where he had these guys yet. So he has Jared Kelnick at 60. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, right at, we're right in that range. I don't know if he's as big of a believer in what we've seen from Bellinger so far. And, you know, if you were hurt by Bellinger in recent years, I, I can understand that Bellinger outside the top 100 right now. Uh, I think he's closer to probably that top 60 value. I, I really do. I believe in him equally, if not more so, uh, than, than Kelnick. Yeah, I like that 60 tag because in a 15-teamer, that would mean they're, they're fourth-round picks. And I think what would happen is once you get to the fourth round of a deep mixed league, you start having to pick guys you're not positive about. And I don't think yeah. Bellinger or Kelnick would be positive guys yet. And some yeah. people say, well, the heck with it. I'm just going to say that what I've seen so far is real and, and bet on a Bellinger or Kelnick. So I think sometime in the fourth round would make sense for both of those guys, which would make yeah. them both top 60 picks. And I think Bellinger versus Kelnick would be a really interesting call. I know, uh, you know yeah. Pouliot has, has a gap there. I don't think there's an obvious choice between the two of them. Yeah. I mean, like today, if you could redraft, would you take Eloy Jimenez or Cody Bellinger? I, I'm just afraid Eloy's going to get hurt again. I know his yeah. first IL stint was really short. And what what did the Cubs do to the baseball gods? Did they need to sacrifice a goat or something? Because it just seems <laughs> like everything goes wrong for that team. I'd yeah. have to take Bellinger. Yeah, me too. I, I would as well. I, and you get the speed too. You get impacted across all all categories. Well, we'll see if the batting average sticks. But um, gets that power and speed, which I think is big. Jimenez isn't going to give you that. And the risk of injury is just so much higher. Uh, with Menas too, and that that White Sox team is just a disaster right now. Uh, we'll see if Liam Hendricks, if, you know, thank goodness he's healthy, starting a rehab assignment. Maybe like the good vibes expand, ext- extend throughout the the whole team. That would be great uh, to see that. But right now, the White Sox are, are looking I wrote, pretty rough. I wrote and said so many nice things about the White Sox two months ago, and I want to delete all of it. I want to burn all of it. I want to wipe it all <laughs> from my memory because it just it all looks really bad right now. Yep. Uh, well, this was fun. We'll see. We'll we'll tally this over the weekend. See how it all turns out. Also, remember to watch the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Again, coverage beginning at noon Eastern time on Saturday. We have our Peacock game uh, actually airing on NBC simulcast Sunday. Uh, the Orioles uh, in Atlanta against the Braves should be a really really good game and fun matchup as well. And I'll see you back here Monday, Scott. 
Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Also, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. We'll see you Monday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.